0: Welcome to Liftoff from your friends
1: at Relay FM, brought to you this week by Away. Liftoff is a fortnightly show where you don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand the latest news about space and related subjects. My name is Jason Snell, and I'm joined as always by my co host, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hi, Stephen. Hey, Jason. Welcome back. We're back in, uh, in space. <laughs> it never gets old, does it? It doesn't fun to say uh we we have a
0: confession to make this liftoff is now not the only podcast we do together
1: that's true that's true for those who don't know we are um we're working on it together on a podcast called download that posts toward the end of every week it's about the top stories the things we think are most important in tech news during the week with a few guests i'm the host and steven acts as my producer which means he's doing stuff behind the scenes and also uh, occasionally, just appears to speak briefly, and then he goes away again. It's we're, we're, it's it's a funny new thing we're trying. So, people should check it out if they like if they like us. You know, you should check it out. If you don't like us, don't listen because we're on it. It's it's true. It's more of us, but it's like like this one. Why are you listening to this one too? If you don't like us, come on. It's good. We've had two episodes. Episode three will be up at the end of the week. Uh, it's a lot
0: of fun to to work on that. So, yeah. We had a lot of people, so I can't credit anybody because I have like four emails and a bunch, like, I don't know how many tweets, countless tweets about this, uh, and it's kind of been building and thought we'd finally address it. Jason, are you familiar
1: with like the the uh, ideas program with Lego? Oh, yeah. It, this is the, isn't this, a, people send in designs to Lego, mm-hmm. right, and say that this would be a great Lego set. Yes. So the the community, they actually build like demos and then
0: people vote. Mm-hmm. And then Lego will adopt those ideas, you know, the top ideas, and you know, they got to work out the IP and stuff. And very often they tweak the designs. And uh, but it's it's kind of a community driven effort. There've been a lot of great Lego ideas projects. I have a couple of them. I have a Back to the Future DeLorean. I have a Wally that actually sits on my desk. It's right there, he's looking at me. Give me the, the eyeball right now as I record. And the newest one, which is uh, going for sale on June first, so just a couple of weeks away, is a Saturn Five and. Hence, all of the feedback uh, from listeners wanting us to uh, to talk about. and wanting to make sure we saw it. Um, I at least am super excited about this thing. So, this is a uh, let me give you some let me give you some quick specs. It is uh, one meter tall, so it's like one to one hundred and ten scale. Yep. It has n- nineteen hundred and sixty nine Lego pieces. yeah 1969 i just love it (laughs) it's
1: intentional yeah that's amazing
0: uh so it uses the minifigs they're not the full-size lego people but um minifigs and basically you can put it on a stand or it'll stand up on its own you can put on a horizontal stand it has a little lunar lander and it has the capsule with the airbags on you know as, as it bobbed in the pacific ocean and i'm just uh i'm super pumped about this and i I just like I have the hundred and
1: nineteen dollars just set aside, waiting to give it to Lego on June first. I think it looks great. I'm I'm uh, I'm very impressed. I like that they show that you can have it be in segments, and that you can open up the, uh, you can open it up and and put the, put the uh, Apollo capsule inside. It's good. Are you much of a, a Lego person, Lego nerd? I'm not. I'm not. I know many Lego nerds and I love them, but I'm not one of them. I never really was. I played with Lego when I was a kid. My son plays with Lego now and we buy Lego for him to play with and he plays with them. But that it was never it was never a, a thing for me. Hmm. I'm
0: not I'm not as hardcore as some are. I mean if you go in like places like Reddit I mean people building whole like villages out of Lego or like, you know, full operating like battleships like uh, I've got some sets that I like. I'll have a link in the show notes to um, a Lego space shuttle. If you see any of my stuff on YouTube, sometimes it's in the background. I yep. built that a couple years ago. And like I said, I have some little things uh, here and there. And this will be uh, – I'm going to order this. I'm thinking about building it like as a video, either live streamed or edited together when I'm done. And it will be on display somewhere in my office. So thank for thank you for everyone making sure that we saw this because it
1: is, it is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, it's pretty great. I, I have friends who are super into Lego, like uh, my friend Steven, um, whose uh, Twitter handle is Legopolis, so Lego is in his Twitter handle. Um, and he has a f- baseball park in his kitchen, Lego baseball park. And he keeps collecting more minifigs because he needs more people to sit in the stands. <laughs> it's amazing. That's pretty great. And, and it's like just as most... Uh, uh, Real-world baseball parks are built sort of in the... Especially the old-style the old style ones. They're built to fill, fit in the surrounding neighborhood. Um, his park, Clutcher Field, is built to fit into the fact that the refrigerator door needs to swing open. And so it's shaped... So it's got a, like a cutout part that is in closer because they need to get the refrigerator door open. That's pretty great. Because it's in their kitchen. Yeah. And then James Thompson... Uh, who we both know. He's a big Lego fan and he's got, um, I I think he's got a complete collection assembled and on display. I've seen it of uh, all the original Lego spaceships from like the 70s before Lego started doing licensed stuff, you Mm -hmm. know, Star Wars and things like that. They had their own Lego spaceship series that they did with, I think, more than a dozen, maybe even dozens of spaceship designs you could build and he's got all of those too so I know people who are seriously into it but I think this will be fun for you to for you to put together I think you'll have a great time
0: yeah if you talk about it on the show then it's a business expense right totally we've done it congratulations gonna send that to my CPA and be mm-hmm. done with it so we mentioned in passing I think maybe last time about the this t- this talk of a a future Pluto mission and uh, we have some more details on that now uh, late in April, there was a big meeting in Houston to discuss kind of basic blueprints and science goals of a potential uh, orbiter to Pluto. So the New Horizons, as we spoke about, basically just streamed by and had like a day, you know, less than a day to get all of its, uh, most of its research done, all of its science stuff. And then it you know, took a year to send back. But it was sort of a one and done, right? If if you blink, you miss it. it just uh, streaming by. But... This would be more like the Cassini, which is still um, in its grand finale at Saturn, where this would go to the Pluto system and it would spend uh, potentially, like, I think they said like five years or something there, uh, studying with a bunch mm-hmm. of different tools, a bunch of different uh, types of imaging. And the some of the the players you might expect are there. Uh, New Horizons principal investigator Alan Stern was present, and he's, sure. he's quoted as saying, it reminded him of the early days of the New Horizons missions back in the in the late '80s, and I think some of that excitement from New Horizons is, is maybe snowballing into this.
1: It, I was definitely following Stern on uh, Twitter when he was reporting about this mission, and that's why I mentioned it last time. It's interesting. I wonder about not knowing a lot of the details here, and you know, there aren't a lot of details. They're throwing things around, but the question that that I have is. The the challenge is stopping, right? The challenge is is getting there and not flying by. And that requires you to insert. um, And that has two aspects of it. You have to get there, which means you need to have a certain speed that you can actually get there in, in this case, like seven or eight years. It takes time to get there. And then when you get there through some combination of thrust and gravity, you need to not fly by. You need to be captured by the body. And I, I would imagine that's a tough set of orbital mechanics. I'm sure they could do it, but they gotta they gotta do that, and that's harder than just flying by, which they did with New Horizons. Um, but still, it's a it's a cool idea. Um, there, it sounds like they're also starting in terms of um, design. They're kind of looking at existing probes that are out there that they might that might be a starting point for this, right?
0: Yeah. So the the big the big sort of template for this is Dawn. Uh, which is studying the dwarf planet uh, series. And the the idea here and kind of the part of the conversation is power. So this is way far out there. And so you've got to rely on nuclear power to generate the electricity. You don't have enough sunlight um, to to power the thing and to keep it warm. And that's where it would differ from Dawn. But it a similar type of approach could be taken Um there are already some, some price tags floating around, as you might imagine. Dawn was like $467 million. This would be higher than that uh, in no small part because of the power plant needed. You could look at it as like a New Frontiers mission or even like a flagship mission, um, which is basically looking at like $1 to $2 billion to get this thing built and flown and operated.
1: Yeah, it's not cheap to, to go to space. It's definitely uh, to go all the way out to Pluto where you've got to have that nuclear pile because you can't do solar it adds more cost on there but uh yeah so they're talking about doing this uh wouldn't launch obviously until the 2020s or 2030s it's going to be a while so, given that they don't even have a plan yet nor have they been funded to work on further on a plan you know there's a whole process you've got to go to but i think it's interesting that the P- team pluto basically team pluto is on the march there. Uh, they're flush with their success with New Horizons and with all the things they learned about Pluto. And they're going to use that as leverage. We talk about political stuff on this show a lot about the politics of space and space funding. They've got some capital that they can spend, which is those mind-blowing pictures of Pluto and everybody was talking about Pluto. And that gives them at least a little bit of capital to make a case that going back there is worth doing. It's tough because at least Pluto has been explored, and there are other objects that could probably stand a visit as well or a revisit and I think that uh, definitely like uh like Neptune is an interesting example of that where you could you could look at uh a Triton the moon the big moon around Neptune, but um you know everybody's gotta gotta make their case, and these people who've been working on Pluto for all this time. Um, and surviving, you know, its demotion to minor planet status and all of those things. Like, why would you not make this case to do to go back there? Because certainly it's an interesting world that we could uh, we could learn a lot more about if we were hanging around out there. So they're they're doing it. They're making their they're they're cranking up the machine and making their case.
0: Yeah, and, and that's just how this thing works. You have a lot of ideas, a lot of pitches, and certain things move forward. Uh, today, kind of where we sit with this, I tend to agree with you that they are. There are other objects, other places in the solar system. I think maybe should have higher priority, but you can't fault Alan Stern and this team of of building that pitch, like you said, riding that wave of publicity and scientific discovery. And you know, New Horizons isn't done. It's it's currently on its way to visit a uh, I forget the name of the object because all these objects have weird, numbery yeah. names. But. It's- um, it is still... Another outer planner object. Yeah, it is still uh, at work, and we'll still see more from uh, New Horizons, but the lead time on this is so great that you,
1: that you got to get started now. Yep. So, do you want to tell us about our sponsor this week? That's right, sure. Um, this episode of Liftoff is brought to you by Away. Your, lead, your luggage should not cost more than your plane ticket. That's what they like to say at Away. Away makes premium-quality suitcases with fantastic features for under- $300 go to awaytravel.com/liftoff to peruse away's collection of suitcases all made with premium German polycarbonate which is unrivaled in strength and impact resistance and still remains lightweight. Away offers four sizes of suitcase, the carry-on, the bigger carry-on, the medium and the large and nine colors. To choose from, the interior of the away suitcase features a patent pending compression system, incredibly help- helpful if you're an overpacker, which I am. Away's carry ons are compliant with all major US airlines while still maximizing the amount you can pack. I carried my away carry on onto a flight not too long ago and was amazed because I've never had one of these like full on roller bag carry ons before, and it fit perfectly perfectly in the dimensions of the overhead bin. I, uh, I've never experienced that before. It was really great. All away cases feature four 360 degree spinner wheels. So much better than two. So easy to roll this thing. You can roll it on two wheels. You can roll it on four wheels. Uh, it's, uh, you can, I, I, I've got like moves now that I can do where I like pull the suitcase and then I flip it around and now I'm on two wheels for faster speed. It's great. They have TSA locks built into it. Uh, there's a removable washable laundry bag, which is a fun feature so you can keep your stinky, dirty clothes away from your clean clothes. Uh, I did that on my trip to Europe and that was very helpful. And the Away... Uh, carry-on case comes with an integrated usb power brick that's right you charge it up and then when you're traveling with your case you don't need to find an outlet in the uh in the waiting area before you get on your plane or if you're anywhere if you're on the shuttle bus going to the rental car you can top up your phone or ipad there's two usb ports for charging and yes if you're in someplace like asia uh, where they might uh not allow the battery to be in there you can take it out there there's a little screwdriver that comes and kind of lives inside the case that you can take the battery out but for the us and europe the battery in checked luggage uh, as part of your uh, as part of your case is fine so even if you check the bag you'll be okay and i lost all of my travel stress about my uh, devices being charged because i knew i had a big battery big battery recharge my phone five times with that battery And that made the whole trip nicer. There's a lifetime guarantee. If anything breaks on your away suitcase, they will fix it or replace it for the life of the bag. They have a hundred day trial with free shipping on any order within the lower 48 states of the United States. If you can live with it, you can travel with it. You will love it. And at any point, if you decide it's not for you, Return it for a refund. That's it. No questions asked. Travel smarter with a suitcase that charges your phone. Awaytravel.com slash liftoff. And if you use the code liftoff at checkout, you'll get $20 off any of their suitcases. Awaytravel.com slash liftoff. Thank you to Away for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. All right. So uh, our first topic is the SLS. There's kind
0: of two pieces here I think we need to discuss. Uh, the first is a everyone's favorite thing a government accountability office report <laughs> right so this is the space launch system yes yes nasa's new heavy launch vehicle to put astronauts somewhere mars maybe cis-lunar space <laughs> shruggy guy you can put them somewhere yeah um uh, put them on mm-hmm. all, all the places and it's up until this report, the the current goal for an initial launch, which would have been Exploration Mission One EM One, was November 2018, and this GAO report follows um, another report internal to NASA saying that uh, that date is not is not feasible at this time. That it's going to slide a little bit, and um, so. That kind of gets us to the second point where EM-1 is going to be an uncrewed launch. It's going to have uh, the SLS, the vehicle itself, and it was going to have the Orion capsule at the top. And I believe EM-1 was to send Orion to cislunar space, and then uh, the capsule would come back. EM-2 was going to be the first one to carry a crew. It was originally laid out. There would not be a crew on the first launch of this vehicle, and now... As the timelines slip and as certain administration officials are looking for a win early, uh, there are a lot of rumors that EM-1 and EM-2 will sort of be collapsed into one mission and that there will be astronauts on the first launch of the SLS, which is a thing. So they say. <laughs> so they say. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not? Yeah, it's it's unknown at this point. The um, In looking at, at other crewed, uh, at least NASA programs, they had lots, lots of uncrewed launches uh, before they stuck right. people at the top of those things. the The significant departure from that was the space shuttle, where it really wasn't designed to be flown without a crew. And so you had two astronauts aboard the first handful of shuttle missions. And as we spoke about on that shuttle episode a while back, really no way out if something went went south. Thankfully, it didn't. And those early shuttle missions were a big success. But um, this is a a, a bold and aggressive step, I think, and one that – I understand the delays and, like, it's – that's what happens with these things. We spoke about the James Webb telescope, right, that may be the king of this. But going from 2018 to 2019, like, fine. You know, it's not great, but it's understandable. But putting astronauts on that first mission, to me, at least, feels uh, too aggressive and – would would more than likely make the schedule slip even more that that date slip from fall 2018 to sometime in 2019 does not take into account the possibility of placing a crew on the flight so it is um if they do it i mean maybe the end of 2019 maybe 2020 but i just i'm not comfortable with the idea of having crew on there for the first launch
1: yeah, it's. I think the rationale is that they feel like the escape system is strong enough right. that if there were any problems with the rocket, they could get the crew out of there. And so, um, my counter argument would be the space shuttle. Right, that in the end, you they didn't launch the space shuttle on the rockets without people in them. They launched the space shuttle with Young and Crippen drive, you know, piloting it, mm-hmm. driving it. They, they got in with the keys and they turned the ignition. <laughs> so so it, it's not without precedent. Now they tested the rockets, right? But it's not without precedent for them to do something like this. And, and the argument would be um, you can do this with people and plan to do it with people because you're going to do it with people eventually. You might as well do that sooner. And if you if you have tested and are confident in the escape system for the people, then if there is a problem, you can get the people out of there. So then you put, you do a mission with maybe, you know, and, and that mission, maybe it's test pilots. Maybe it's a, a smaller group. It's a smaller number of astronauts than the equivalent, astronaut equivalent of test pilots. I don't know. It's I can see both sides here. I can see that it's very expensive to launch these things. And if you launch a, a set unmanned, uncrewed, sorry, um, then you're wasting money. But at the same time, you're also testing the system before you put people in danger. So I can see both arguments. I think it comes down to how people's confidence... What's people's confidence about the escape system, and what is their argument for the value that you get out of doing a whole launch without humans in the uh, capsule? Right, and and so the, the escape system on the
0: Orion capsule is very similar to what you had in Mercury, Gemini, and Apollo, where basically you can pull that capsule uh, away from the stack if something happens, and we saw... Remember I mean, that Blue Origin video from a while back? They were testing theirs, and uh, SpaceX has done their testing. It's a very kind of understood problem set, very common way of doing this. We have a capsule on top of a rocket. So you're right, and that is a good point that I didn't bring up. The, um, my, my guess is that they will move forward with a crew on EM-1. I think they want to have um, have that underway. But uh, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. It's it's most interesting to me. So NASA in February announced like publicly that they were looking at a study to do this, and we haven't heard anything since. But uh, some space reporters I follow and who who cover this stuff more closely than we do are saying it seems more and more likely that uh, that's going to be the case. So
1: yeah, and and um, it's also. You know, the argument, there's so so many different pieces here, too. The argument is you can get the launch sooner if there are no people on it, um, but there are no people on it. So you, you get the launch sooner with no people. Is that your goal or is your goal to get the launch with people? If your goal is to get the launch with a crew, then maybe that's the right decision to push it back and have the first launch be crewed. If your goal is to be able to point at something and say, see, we launched this thing then you leave it uncrewed and you and you do it sooner i i don't know it's uh it'll be interesting to see this is a much much delayed right a a nasa a nasa rocket with well i mean let me back up a point here we're still waiting for a an american rocket with the ability to put people in space Mm -hmm. since the space shuttle right it still hasn't happened it's been a long time since I went to that sh- that last shuttle launch, right? And it still hasn't happened. We're still dependent on the Russian space program to do that. And we've got SpaceX working on it. We've got other commercial crew working on it. And we've got NASA working on SLS. But none of them have happened yet. So I, I think that's a- a- an interesting question of priorities. That uh, And politics, right? Again, and politics. It's... It- it it maybe sends more of a message if you've got a crewed mission instead of just a a test a test firing. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah,
0: and that's a really good point. It really is. I mean, we're getting to a point where commercial crew and and this thing may be in a very similar time window if if commercial crew continues to slip. But um, so yeah, so that's yeah. that's SLS. I, I think that we'll probably hear some official words sooner rather than later. If they're going to do this, they're going to have to announce a new date and. Uh, my guess is that as soon as they know the astronauts uh, that would be taking part of this, that their names would be known, and you know we would kind of see some of that press machine start to crank up around this. So I don't think they'll. I don't think it would be um, too
1: much longer. But but
0: I'm not. Uh, I'm not in the government accountability office, uh, Jason. It's not my. I don't moonlight there. So who knows?
1: No. That's is that why you're not
0: accountable? Hmm. I am just not for the government. Hmm. So, speaking of the government, it's a very uh, interesting pair of topics this week. The uh, super secretive yet easily photographed uh, Uh X-37B space plane uh, just landed uh, just a couple of days ago uh, at Kennedy Space Center after a uh, two-year, 718-day classified mission so this is a military experimental space plane and uh, run by the air force program run by the air force uh it flew first back in april uh 2010 for eight months 2011 for 15 months and then in december 2012 for 22 months so they keep uh longer and longer missions now Mm -hmm. and yeah so it's it's in the news again and this is one of those things where if you if you follow space, this is a little bit of a weird topic because it's you know military hardware. The Air Force runs it, um, but because of its like it's launched on top of a, a rocket, ULA put it up last time. Uh, it flies in low Earth orbit. It looks like a baby space shuttle, so it's kind of a space topic. Um, so I think we're willing to adopt it at least for this week. Well, I mean, as a it's, topic. A,
1: it's a it's it's a spaceship, and it looks like a baby space shuttle. It's it's uncrewed um it's weird and it's it's a military thing so it's also secret Mm -hmm. like what it does is secret so the fact that they had it out there like up in space for a couple of years they had it you know in orbit and then they're like okay we're gonna bring it home now and then they landed at kennedy space center that's kind of cool like this is a this is a uh We don't have a lot of these things, right? That you can take some, you can take something to space, instruments or whatever, and then bring it back and land it, as opposed to just launching a satellite. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's very different in that way. Um, It was. uh, This is, as the our notes tell me, a fun fact. Mm -hmm. It was designed to launch from the shuttle. that didn't happen. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it, it is because that would have been like really super adorable. That'd be like a fish giving babies. Like, there's a fish. Oh, there's a there's a little fish that came out of that That's fish. It. Well, it really puts into perspective how
0: small this thing is. It's twenty nine feet long. The wingspan is fourteen feet. And it's only nine
1: feet tall. Uh, it's not a big a big thing. No, no, and it's it's so the the question is, um, what will they? What are they using it for? Right? What are they using it for? I think the idea originally when NASA was designing the X-37 was as a uh, as a rescue vehicle uh, and potentially a crew transport to the International Space Station. There are some mock-ups that I remember seeing of an X-37 attached to the ISS. Mm-hmm. And the idea was not necessarily that you'd sh- you'd ship people up there in, in it, that the shuttle would bring it up, and then you'd attach it. And if there was an emergency in the ISS, because one of the things you have to have is enough spacecraft to get the crew off if there's an emergency, that this would be like a lifeboat, that they would be able to uh, bring people back that way fr- via the X-37. But that all kind of got abandoned. And so we're left with the Air Force picking this up and making the X-37B and... You know, there are claims that this is a space weapons tester, uh, that it's spying on the Chinese space station. There are all of these claims that are out there. Uh, The Guardian in 2014 uh, said that security experts said it was testing reconnaissance and spy sensors, especially how they hold up against long durations in space with radiation and other things. But uh, it's all allegations, some of which have been denied by the Air Force, and uh, nobody knows. Nobody really knows what this little guy is doing up there.
0: Yeah. I mean, it has a payload bay of like seven by four feet, so it's not, you know, if it's doing weapons testing or something, this isn't large-scale testing, but there's all—in a vacuum of information, people have fun ideas, right? Now, my, my favorite is that it's it's spying on the the Chinese space station. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, a former US Air
1: Force orbital analyst was like
0: no it's not not really where it goes i mean the orbits are really they different
1: <laughs> yeah look <laughs> at the orbits it's not yeah. not, but, not not what's happening but again but...
0: the air force hasn't said so he's like yeah maybe it's spying on the chinese that sounds good but um it is it is a fascinating little chapter in the in this this world that we cover uh it is um there are like like even the number of them that exist is is kind of hard to pin down. Um they are This Reuters report I'm looking at says there are two of them. Yeah. Um and I even read something I didn't link to it because it was a little it wasn't as reputable saying maybe that that's not yeah. even true. But who who knows, right? But they've they've who had knows. they've had four missions now. Um at least two vehicles. They they are housed um at Kennedy in old uh orbit uh old orbital hangars where they would uh pull in the shuttle and work on it for like, you know months and months to, to rehab it, to fly again. Um, but yeah, it's just a, it's just a fun little story.
1: It's very strange. It's, um, the, uh, X-37B also, it sounds like the, um, it's, uh, this was its first Florida landing. So it's been landing, I would assume in Vandenberg, but, uh, you know, now, now it's, uh, at Kennedy. So either way, it's uh it's fascinating to me mm-hmm. yeah vandenberg yeah yep yeah, so well we- it's cool i mean great C- congratulations to the air force that got a little uh <laughs> space dealy yeah little tiny baby space shuttle uh, maybe this is all just part of their plan to get renamed as the air and space force because that would be awesome right space force space force I'm is- a, you know colonel in the space force yeah that would uh, all they got to do is have like one plane that goes into space and they can totally be the space force, right? I, I think so.
0: I think that would make the people who uh, don't want weapons in orbit really upset. <laughs> I mean, there's a whole there's a whole like nonprofit organization like trying to police this to make sure that. But demilitarization of space, right? Sure. Uh, I guess you know if you're a nonprofit and they're the air force. Maybe a little one-sided ar- of an argument, but yeah. uh, the Air Force does say a few things about this. So they have a webpage up, and they say that it is the newest and most advanced re-entry spacecraft. Uh, it is, of course, managed by the Air Force, and it performs risk reduction, experimentation, and concept of operations development for reusable re- space vehicle technology. So the vehicle itself may even be a test bed for— for future vehicles, or for future technology uh, used by the Air Force, or by NASA, or or even by, I guess ultimately private companies. So, you know, I, my guess is it's not they're not uh, not as scary as it
1: seems, but uh, but again, you just you just don't know. That's cool. It's the it's America's uh, unknown reusable spacecraft. That's right. So there it is. That's right. Uh, so we have uh, a bunch of links in the show notes this
0: week. You can find those at relay.fm slash liftoff slash 46. You can get in touch with us there. You can send us an email. You can find the show on Tumblr or on Twitter uh, at liftoffpodcast. You can find Jason there as well. Uh, he is at Snell, and you can find me on Twitter as ISMH. And until our next Fortnite, Jason, say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Adios.